there's no separation here. If he is Lord, he's got to be Lord in your personal life, but he also has to be Lord in all your vital relationships. And here's the problem. The most challenging arena to live the Christian life is among those who know us the best. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Loritz. Interesting thought what Crawford just said there. The most challenging arena in which to live the Christian life is among those who know us the best. Well, have you found that to be true? Today, a look at the need for Christ-exalting relationships. This is all part of Crawford's series, His Church, based on the New Testament book of Colossians. And we'll jump into our study in just a few moments. Dr. Crawford Loritz has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years, serving with Campus Crusade for Christ and in church planting. He recently retired as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia, having served there for 15 years. Crawford now heads the Christian leadership mentoring ministry known as Beyond Our Generation, which seeks to encourage leaders to focus on the godly stewardship of their lives and the assignments God gives to them. Well, let's check out what Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through chapter 4, verse 1 has to say about the relationships we maintain. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. Well, Paul is turning the corner here in his letter to the church at Colossae, just to help out a little bit of context is king. Um, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae, one of the few letters that he wrote to a church, a church that he did not plant. His buddy and colleague in the ministry, Epaphras, had planted the church, and Paul was in jail, and Epaphras came to see him and gave such a glowing, glowing testimony of this incredible group of godly people that were in the midst of all kinds of pressure and all kinds of ideological challenges and philosophical ambushes and all the stuff that was going on in the Greco-Roman Empire at the time, that they kept a clear focus on Jesus. It so captured Paul's heart that he began praying for these people regularly, and he just wanted to encourage him. And in his letter to the church at Colossae, he heightens the person of Jesus. He puts him up there, and he talks about the supremacy of Christ over his church that he is Lord over his church. And that's, that's, that's the theme that's driven all the way through the book of Colossians. Uh, he's talked about in chapters 1 and 2 primarily. There's some practical stuff there, obviously, but primarily he's talking about how we should think about Jesus, content and truth, doctrine, if you will. And now he comes in chapter 3 and chapter 4, and he talks about our obligation, our responsibility, the application of all of that. What does that look like? He says, now, with all of this in mind, you got to remember that you're seated with Christ. That's not theoretical. That's where you are right now. And you have to live out that reality. And then he says, now, there's some things you have to put off. You have to put off. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can't play with sin. You can't accommodate it. You struggle with it, but you don't accommodate it. You don't accept it. You don't normalize it. You don't just say, well, that's part of me. No, he says, put to death, kill it. Why? Because all that we say and all that we are has to tell the truth about who Jesus is. And so the supremacy of Christ is not some 
esoteric, you know, brainy, uh, blue sky thing that we talk about. The supremacy of Christ is real. If he's supreme, then he must be supreme in my own life. So now we come to chapter, the end of the chapter, chapter 3, and we go over to chapter 4, and actually the section begins, this paragraph begins in verse 18 of chapter 3, and, it, and the thought ends in chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, uh, this is not a very, very alluring title, but I've entitled the message, Christ Exalting Relationships. Follow the line of thinking. He says, okay, if Jesus is going to be Lord in your personal life, then he has to be Lord over your personal relationships. You, 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 don't, you don't separate. You don't a la carte who you are. You don't compartmentalize who you are. You don't push that aside. You're not godly in church and godly in your small group. And forgive the directness here and raise all kinds of hell wherever else you are. There's no, there's no, there's no separation here. If he is Lord, he's got to be Lord in your personal life, but he also has to be Lord in all your vital relationships. And here's the problem. The most challenging arena to live the Christian life is among those who know us the best. Y'all don't know me, a bunch of y'all don't know. I mean, you, you, you only know a top level thing. Some of you know me every Sunday, we shake hands and smile and this kind of thing. You don't know what I'm thinking about. You don't know my shortcomings. You don't know my failures. You don't know any of that stuff. But the closer we get, there's forced transparency, even when we don't want to be transparent. There's some things you just can't hide. You just can't hide it. And so there, there, there are folks, if you want to know, if you want to know my inconsistencies, you want to know my shortcomings? You want to know the dissonance in my life and all that stuff? Well, you talk to Karen. <laughs> you talk to our kids. Talk to people that I work with on our staff. They'll tell you, no, Crawford, he doesn't walk on water. He can barely swim. <laughs> and so the closer you get, the more vulnerable you are. In fact, uh, our oldest son, Brian, um, I didn't know that this was going, Karen knew about it, but I didn't know that he was doing this. Uh, uh, come to find out, you know, he, he's written this book entitled The Dad Difference, and the lion's share of the book is about my influence on his life. And so, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> but then I find out about it, and uh, he says, Dad, I tried to keep it back from you, but I want you to write the forward to it. I said, that's a little self-serving, don't you think, me writing a book with, you know. But then, then I said, now, now son, I, I want to read the manuscript. I, you know, I hope you didn't deep six me, buddy. <laughs> because I'm waiting. There's, you know, he talks about my humanity, but... You know, I'm reading the manuscript, waiting for the other shoe to drop. I hope he didn't tell that story and this kind of thing. Well, they know me. That's the point. That's the point. You're known. You're known. And so what Paul is saying is in order for your Christianity to be legitimate, it must be totally transformative. Not partially transformative. It has to be comprehensively transformative. The reality of the Lordship of Christ is not optional. You got a nasty attitude at home, but a godly attitude at church. Nasty and godly cancels out godly, it's all nasty and you're just gaming it at church. 
So the Lordship of Christ has to be comprehensive, not compartmentalized. And so that's what Paul is talking about here. He gets, he gets up into the business now. He said, now I'm gonna come to your house, it's gonna be uncomfortable here. Because I wanna talk about how the Lordship of Christ affects your intimate relationships. He says, in your marriage, with your kids, and on your job. And I just want to walk through this. It's a straightforward text. It doesn't need much messing with. It's, it's, it, the, the outline is right in front of you. Uh, there is there, this tone of dignity that Paul is pulling through here. That these Christ-exalting relationships are not just vertical, but they enhance the dignity of individuals. And I think that's true. And you'll see it in the command and the attitude that ought to be there in each one of these relationships. So he begins where we need to begin for those of us who are married in the most intimate of all relationships. How does the Lordship of Christ affect your marriage? And he speaks to the wife first, and then he speaks to the husband. But the comprehensive charges, the, the, the role of the wife and the role of the husband is to present a composite picture of the Lordship of Christ. I know it's not in this text, but a, co a corresponding passage to this is Ephesians chapter 5. When you read Ephesians 5, now I, I get a little concerned. Karen and I wrote this book, uh, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, and I say, we say something on this text here. I think most of us, when we preach and teach on Ephesians 5, we gravitate toward the illustration, the roles, this is what a wife does, this is what a husband does, and we forget the larger point that Paul is making. The larger point that Paul is making is, is that your, 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 your marriage should tell the truth about the gospel. That's the reason why you have the roles. It is not the roles just so that y'all can get along and everybody feel loved and happy. That's part of it, but that's not the essence of it. The, the whole point is, the whole point is, is so that Christ will be exalted and the marriage will tell the truth about the gospel. And it helps us understand when he talks about a wife submitting and the husband's loving. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's all a portrait of where, where we should be when it comes to Jesus here. So, in the text, beginning at verse 18, Paul says, all right, wives, and by the way, connect this with verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, what does that mean? All right, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Straightforward. What is the wife's responsibility? Paul is connecting with the Lordship of Christ. If Jesus is Lord, then your role is to submit to your husband. Now, I don't want to soften this. I think sometimes what we typically do, those of us who don't, don't want to underscore, uh, you know, abuse and, 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 and in, any way, in any way sanction uh, crazy, uh, nutty dominance and this kind of thing, we end, up, we end up sort of eradicating or softening too much this command. This command is given without qualification. There is one qualification, we'll get to this in a second, but it's given without qualification. Given without qualification. It is, if, if, if you are a follower of Christ, and if you are married, I'll say this very clearly, if you're a woman, follower of Christ, and you're married, 
where you're held accountable before a living, holy God to submit to the leadership of your husband. Period. This is not cultural. I've read a number of articles and books and blogs in the past that want to take, take, take a little bit of the sting out of this by saying that this is cultural. You must read this uh, in, uh, injunction as being a cultural injunction, and women were not treated very well during this time. And, and that, 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 there's a point of that, but uh, as you read the gospel and you read what Paul really says about women, you know that they heighten the role of women. Uh, and so they say, well, because of that, I don't know that that applies today. You got to be careful, got to be careful with allowing culture to edit the propositions of Scripture. And I'll just say this without getting into a ditch. Uh, and this, Paul didn't mean this culturally. If he did, then he would not have said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, he argued for order, submission from, from creation order. What are you talking about that? He says, well, 1 Corinthians 2.13, he says, man was created first, then woman. Then he makes the, the, the ultimate argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He says, submission is reflected in the Trinity, that there's order within the Godhead. Christ submits to the Father. It's something called the doctrine of the procession of the Trinity. And so, so, he's not arguing from culture, he's arguing from order and design. Now, I would like to say quickly, submission does not mean inferiority. Jesus is not any less God than God the Father, but for the orderly execution and implementation of the program of redemption in human history, there's subordination and submission in the Godhead. And so, the issue with submission is that we, and I, I don't want to get too far into this, but but a Christian wife and a Christian mother needs to demonstrate a submissive attitude. I can get into this. I've talked about this before. It doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion. doesn't mean that you don't speak up. doesn't mean that you don't stop talking. It doesn't mean that you don't share your... It doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean that there's not competition for headship in the home. That's what it means. That there's not a spitting contest for headship in the marriage. The expression as fitting in the Lord. What Paul is saying by this is that there are moral limits to your submission. Your submission is only in the Lord, meaning, meaning a woman is not obligated to follow her husband's leadership if it conflicts with the word of God. You don't know, follow that nonsense. If he's telling you to lie, Telling you to do something dishonest, something, you can just pick any, anything that violates the scripture. You say, Well, I love you, sweetheart, but no can do. You're not, gonna, you're, not, you're not required to do that. It is in the Lord. So the qualification for submission, the, the, the boundary to submission has to do, well, no, no, anything that's within, that's within God's will, his written will, yeah, do that. If it violates that, no, don't do that. Now, uh, flipping the script, these two things go together because two people are married. Each role provides synergy to the other role. Each role, if it's functioned biblically, provides motivation and encouragement for the other person to exercise their role. 
And so when you talk about roles, you, you can't talk about the woman's responsibility, the wife's responsibility, apart from the husband's responsibility. Because his responsibility tempers how far he goes with his leadership. It is the attitude that encourages the submission in the home. That's not a verbal eraser. I'm not saying that that means that you're off the hook and you shouldn't submit because he's not functioning in the way he should function. No, no, you do that as unto the Lord, it's before the Lord. However, if he is functioning the way God intended for him to function and leading the way that God intended for him to lead, I don't know a woman in her right mind who would not want to support and submit to that leadership. So here's his responsibility. Paul flips it around and he says, okay, husbands, Notice these words, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now again, the commentary for this, the commentary for this is Ephesians chapter 5, where he goes into more detail about what that love should look like. He says, in fact, in Ephesians 5, uh, 28 and 29, he says, husbands, love your wives, here you have it, here you have it, here you have it, as Christ loved the church. Your love for your wife does not come from a self-serving place. How did Jesus love the church? Well, the text in Ephesians 5 says, and, and gave himself up for her. Gave himself up for her. Jesus did not love the church primarily from position. He loved the church primarily from compassion. And so I'm not playing games here. Paul says, as the leader of your household, you don't love your wife any old kind of way, not the way you want to love her. You got to love her if you're a follower of Jesus, the way Jesus loves the church. Why? Because the relationship has to tell the truth about the Lordship of Christ with his grace, there's mercy, there's tenderness. And loving leadership is not dictatorial dominance. How does Jesus relate to us? How does he love us? Plenty of grace, plenty of mercy. And yet, I think implicit in the, in the command to love your wife as Christ loves the church, obviously, is a mission of our own neediness. I can't do that apart from dependence upon him. Because as a man, I'm selfish. I'm self-serving. If I take my eyes off the Lord, I'll let, I'll let the dysfunction of my past determine how I relate to the people that I love, and it won't be pretty. So we press into him to love her. It's the way Christ loved the church. And by the way, this, is, this encourages and motivates our wives to submit to our leadership. Nowhere is it commanded that a husband should make his wife submit. That's not my job. My job is not to make my wife submit to me. That is not my role. I'm not commanded to make my wife submit to me. What I'm commanded to do is not to lead by edict, but to lead by character. I'm commanded to lead by Christ-like character. Now, you know, in, any, any little chump can stand up and spit out a bunch of orders. That ain't, that ain't leadership. 
but to lead the way Jesus would have me to lead. Then this line, uh, don't be harsh with them. Harsh. Uh, Literally, the word harsh means uh, to make bitter. To make bitter. The command here is that, uh, you know, he's underscoring that authoritarian dominance can drain the life out of our wives. I have seen it. I have seen it. And I'll just say it. I just, I don't want to dance around this. I've seen some knucklehead men who are hellaciously insecure, highly threatened, high control, suck the life out of their wives. And they're like a flower that's wilted. And to love the way Jesus loves means that we nourish and we cherish. We don't want our wives to be bitter toward us. That's what this is all about. That's what he's saying. Don't be, come on, man. Don't, don't, don't talk to her any old kind of way. Don't raise your voice at her. Don't cuss her. Don't disregard her. Don't disrespect her. She's you. And the way you treat her is what you think about yourself. That's what he says in Ephesians 5, isn't it? No one ever uh, neglects himself. So love her. Well, together, this picture says to us that in a maturing marriage, the husband treats his wife with compassion and care, and his wife responds with willing submission to his loving leadership. This is taken together, together. Not a la carte, but together. I want my wife, I want my marriage, I want my marriage, I want my marriage, I want my marriage to tell the truth about who we both love supremely, and that's Jesus. And that should be your passion too in your marriage. So, the Lordship of Christ is to reign supreme in our primary relationships. First, in our marriage. But then Paul says, okay, secondly, all right, you, you're putting to, putting to death here and putting on and putting off, and okay, you want to look like Jesus? Let's talk about where it's hard. Number one, in your marriage, but number two, with our kids. And we'll find out about our kids and Christ-exalting relationships with them next week right here on Living a Legacy. Our speaker was Crawford Loritz, and he's been leading us through a series of messages titled His Church, based on the Apostle Paul's letter to the Church of Colossae. We're discovering why it's so important to live in such a way that we attract others to our Savior. Let's be sure we're not giving them reasons for not wanting to follow the Lord. It's wonderful to hear how God is using Crawford's teaching each week, and if you're finding his messages helpful, let us know at legacy@moody.edu. Legacy@moody.edu. We heard recently from Thomas, who writes, I just wanted to thank you for your fantastic content with Pastor Crawford Loretz. I look forward to getting a boost by him every Sunday when I listen to his podcast, usually before or after I have church. It's always informative, powerful, and awesome. Keep up the excellent work. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. And we'd love to hear from you, too. Email legacy at moody.edu. If you missed part of today's message, you can stream it all on our website, livingalegacy.org, or look for the MP3 link to download many of Crawford's messages for free. Start with livingalegacy.org. 
part two of Christ Exalting Relationships next week right here and hope you'll be with us again. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for joining us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.